0: Hey, podcast listeners, it's Mike. This week on the Upload podcast, I've got some thoughts about how we can create value, aka make money, when everything is free, when everything's moving towards free, how do we make any money? I've also got a quick story for you about how I almost stranded my co-workers in Jacksonville, Florida, and an update about the place I mentioned during the last episode. Spoiler alert, it's still sitting in my garage in pieces. But before I get to that, I did want to just share with you one thing and ask of you something. During uh, the last episode, I mentioned that I had two coworkers who started something they call the creative empire, where they would take a vacation day and really just dive in on the creative things that they wanted to do. Well, as part of that, when I was talking to them uh, during that day, Sierra gave me a great idea. She was talking about how she wished there was more stuff out there about how to do something, not necessarily technical skills, but how to start an Etsy store or do something like that. And it got me thinking, that was a perfect way ...that I could bring back the interviews that I used to do as part of the Upload podcast without it being so time-intensive for me. To be honest, I've shared that before. That's one of the reasons I stopped doing the interviews is that they just took so much time to prepare in order to do them well. But it made me realize that that is something. That's a need that we all have. Not necessarily how to do something step-by-step technical that you could look up and read, but more in story form like she said, how to start an Etsy store or how to create your personal branding for your personal thing. Um, how to get started selling a product, maybe. How do you sell your first one? How do you find your first clients? The kinds of things that I used to ask the people that I interviewed, but more targeted. So what if I brought on somebody who had recently set up their first website and we just talked about how they did it? How did you set up your website? Or someone who's really experienced with content marketing, we could talk through that. How do you publish great posts that have good... SEO? Not necessarily in the technical piece, but what are some of the things that all of us could do as uh, side hustlers, freelancers, and creative entrepreneurs to better ourselves? So if you would be interested in that, I'd love to hear from you. Contact me through the Facebook page or mikegrozier.com. And if you have ideas, either ideas you'd love to hear about or things you think you could share, if you want to get on the show and I could talk to you about it, or people you think, man, Mike should really talk to this person about whatever, how to do whatever it is, let me know. I'd love to reach out to some people and find out and, and do some casual interviews and keep them short. They'd be short little 10 to 15 minute things, but just another type of episode uh, to offer here on the Upload Podcast. So that's just a quick aside, um, a, g- a great idea that I would love to pursue. I hope I get a chance to. Uh, but the update on the playset. So you probably, there was probably a lot of you out there that expected this, but I did not get the playset built last week. So a kind of comedy of errors here. The playset that they sent us, only half of it came stained. They're switching to a new stain, and uh, my wife specifically told them, you know, we're good with waiting until you get all of the new stain in. Well, uh, they said, hey, we're going to send it to you. we got a few pieces that aren't stained, but we're going to go ahead and send it to you with some of the new stain with it. When by some, apparently to them, that meant 50%. So we got all of these boxes. As I described before, it was a lot of boxes. So I spent two whole evenings after work, three to four hours a piece, staining this playset. Well, come to find out through that process that not only did I have to stain them, but I was missing a box. They had given me the wrong box and uh, we had to call them and order the box. So I didn't get that box until this week while I was out of town. So uh, immediately after I record this podcast, I'm going to go out and stain that box because, of course, that one didn't come with the stain either. And then hopefully this weekend I will put together that monstrosity and uh, be able to share pictures out on the Facebook page and you can see what it turns out as hopefully good uh, since I did the staining. Hopefully it actually looks halfway decent. And then the Jacksonville story, I just thought I would share this because this is such a classic Mike moment. Uh if you know me at all, you know that uh I can be a bit of an airhead sometimes. Um I tend to be a out there thinker sometimes who likes to um, you know, think big ideas and things like that and unfortunately as as my friend Matt Nelson used to say, when uh intelligence goes up, sometimes common sense goes down. That's how he used to always say it. <laughs> so I um was with my coworkers in Jacksonville. I needed to leave early. They had to continue working uh, at the site. So I called an Uber. But before I got the Uber, I went out and I said, hey, can you give me the keys to the rental car? I need to get my suitcase out. So I went out, got it, brought it, no big deal, gone. Well, I get to the airport, which is a good 40-minute drive away. And I start walking and I'm in the security line. And I start to check my pockets for you know all the things I'm going to have to pull out. And I realize... I have the keys to the rental car in my pocket. So all of my coworkers who need to return this rental car, not to mention the fact that all of their luggage and everything else is in the the locked rental car, they're stranded now. And I realized with the time that I can't take an Uber back To the site, give them the keys and come back in time, I would miss my flight. So I started thinking through all the crazy ways I could possibly get them the keys. Could I give it to the security person? Could I try to contact the rental company and see if they would drive out there? Everything just seemed like it would be insane. Well, thankfully, I texted one of them, and they were able to Uber themselves to the airport, get the keys, and go back. So, Melissa, if you're out there listening, I definitely do owe you one, and uh, I'm really glad that I didn't strand my coworkers, because I'm not sure I could have recovered from that if they all would have missed their flights home uh, because of my airheadedness. But enough about that. I I do want to talk real quick about uh, some of the things that I'm learning, as usual here. That is one of the things that I love about a trip like that. So I flew down to Jacksonville just for a short two-night trip. But I love flying because I can take some time to read. I don't like being away from home, but I like that aspect of traveling, that I have a little bit of time where I can sit down and read for an hour or two on the flight and really just start to digest some new concepts. And it's always uncanny how those concepts that I'm learning – have direct application to whatever it is I'm doing at the time. It's, it just always works out that way, um, that something that I read then applies to what I'm doing the next day at work. And I, I love that. So I love those opportunities. Um, just if you're curious what I was reading on the plane, I finished up a fantastic book called Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. So I would say if you are in any kind of leadership role or aspire to be, or you're a parent, because as I've said before, leadership and parenting a lot of times go hand in hand, same exact skill set. One just is written about as in the corporate setting. The other one is written about in the home. But honestly, the principles and the things that you do as a leader are very similar, whether you're a parent or um, someone who's leading others in the workplace. This book is fantastic. It talks about um, different behaviors that we have that are multiplier behaviors or diminisher behaviors, uh, behaviors that bring other people down or decrease productivity or cause people to be disengaged and to not work at their full capacity. I think you could apply that to kids in not achieving all that they're uh, capable of achieving. So that book, I highly recommend it. It's a easy read. She writes it really well, so it, it flows well. Uh, one that's not quite as easy of a read that I started reading after I finished Multipliers is called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel, Daniel Kahneman. And he is a behavioral, well, he's a psychologist who had a big influence on behavioral economics. And it is a heady book. It's heavy on research, but it has a lot of really interesting insights about the way we think and the way we behave. So his bulk of his uh, research and work was all about how we think that we're intuitively good at probability and statistics and things like that, and that we're actually horrible, even experts. So people who are experts in a field are very, very bad at estimating things or uh, intuiting statistics, probability, all that type of stuff. So there's a lot that goes into that. I actually want to share some of those Uh, insights at some point on the podcast, but they're pretty heady. So I got to find a way to to make them more relatable uh, because I'm really not interested in just doing a research review on the podcast, but I'll pull some of the gems out and and share those at some point. But that's an interesting book if you're into that type of thing. Um, The other one that I'm still listening to on Audible is The Inevitable. And I shared some about that last week. This one can be a little heady too. It can be really out there. It almost sounds like sci-fi half the time because he's talking about future technology, but the more it goes on the more i realize that what he's saying is really true there are uh technological and just social trends out there that are inevitable they're going to continue they're happening today and people are taking advantage of them um, they're the types of things like the internet where if you had been on the front edge of it 20 years ago you'd be a multimillionaire or billionaire today but you know, you probably missed it like I did. Um, So he's saying there are opportunities out there that are similar today. If you could take advantage of them, um, you know, you'll have great things ahead of you. So just for example, one of the trends he talks about is, is a trend away from ownership and towards access instead. So I think you can see that with things like Netflix um, Uber, like I mentioned, I I didn't uh, I, I took an Uber, and a lot of people are going away from even owning a car. I have uh, friends who don't even own a car; they just take Uber everywhere because it's cheaper and it's easier, more convenient. Um, but in general, you can think of a million different services that are out there that people are paying money either as a subscription or by use instead of owning the thing. Even Kindle books or Audible books, if you look in the fine print, you don't own that book; you're paying for the. Right to access that book. Uh, That kind of shocked me when I realized that a little while ago that all the Kindle books that I have and that I've bought over the years that I thought I owned a digital copy of, I don't. It's like a long-term rental agreement. You pay one fee, but you don't own it. You don't own that copy. They could take it away at any time. Um, which is a little scary, but uh, that's the trend. That's where we're headed and and we won't stop. So things like that, things like the fact that copying, uh, if you remember when they tried to fight Napster back in the day, it was inevitable. The music industry just had to change. So he goes over a lot of that stuff. Well, one of the trends is that if things are so easy to copy and they will continue to be, And if technology enables us to share like we share today, but even more so, what if we're only on the tip of the iceberg as far as sharing goes and things continue to get cheaper and and easier and, and you're paying for access instead of owning? Well, one of the implications is that things will continue to be free more often and you're paying for access to something or you're paying for the right to use it sometimes. But the core thing will be free. It's something else that you're paying for. That's kind of a heady concept to think through, but I think if you just pause and think of a lot of the things that you're paying for today, it'll start to make sense. But the question that that generates is, as for us, people who are trying to be a solopreneur or you're trying to just do a side hustle or freelance, whatever, how are we going to make money or add value, create something that's worth it, create something meaningful in a world where everything is free? So, in the book, he highlights what he calls eight generatives, eight ways of creating value. When everything is free. I thought in this episode, I would just cover four. I don't want to go crazy and and just dump a whole bunch of information. So I'll just go over the four quickly and maybe we can revisit uh, parts of them on the Facebook page or something if we want to talk about um, additional depth on them. So I'm just going to cover them high level. And I think you'll find that at least one of these will probably hit home and be one of those things where you scratch your head and say, wait a minute, I think there is an opportunity there. So the first one he talks about is immediacy. So immediacy is things like early access. So if you're offering a free um, concert or whatever it is, you could charge for people to get early access to those free tickets. So if they want the front row seats or whatever like that, um, they can have early access. It could be things like downloading it now. Maybe you're offering a song or you're offering a book or some artwork and you're not going to release it until July, but you offer people to pay to get it in June. Maybe they want to get it early, that type of thing. Uh, it could be skipping to the front of the line if, if that's you know, something that you're creating. Lots of different applications there. Those are just a few. But just think through what would be something in my world that's free that you could create an immediacy around it that someone would be willing to pay for. It's valuable when everything is free and everybody has equal access to it. It's valuable to create a level of immediacy that's not accessible to everybody. So that's one. That's the first one. Uh, the second one he talks about is personalization. So I've talked about this before in the podcast, but how can you customize something that's free? So if something's prolific and everybody has access to it, everybody has access to every movie that's out there, all that kind of stuff, you know. How can you personalize it so that the system or the offering or you as the solopreneur know your customer, know your client? And I think this is a big one. This is a big opportunity, like I've talked about before, because this is something that big companies do really poorly. So, on the artificial intelligence side, they do really well. So, Netflix or Google, those kind of things, you're never going to be able to compete with their artificial intelligence that learns you from a technology standpoint. However, from a customer service standpoint, you can crush it in this area. Here's an example back to my playset. Uh, Abby told these people that she did not want the the new stain until, or she did not want the playset until the new stain was ready. What did they do? They sent us old stuff to get it out of their warehouse and sent us a bucket of stain because they figured that would be fine. That, that was not listening to us as the customer. So this is an example of where you could personalize if you are taking the time to um, engage with your clients and get to know them and listen to what they're saying and provide a service that uh, or provide benefit that they're going to talk about. Because one way or another, they're going to talk about what you do. In our case with the playset, I'm talking about how it's a bad experience and I'm telling other people about how it was a bad experience because they obviously took advantage of us. They just wanted to send out last year's um, pieces of wood that weren't stained and just give us a bucket and tell us to stain it ourselves. And I, like I've said, we were getting it at cost. But if the people who were doing that had thought long term even though we're people getting it at cost, and they probably thought, eh, you know, they're getting a favor anyways, we'll just send them the old stuff. It'll be convenient for us. They could have thought, hey, these are people who are getting this really cheap. They're going to be excited about it. They're going to talk to people about it. Let's make sure they get the best experience so that what they're saying is good. But the problem is, employees usually don't have that long term vision. They're not as engaged in the long term strategy. So they don't think that far ahead to, You know, it would be valuable if that person was more than satisfied with our product, if they were excited about it and they talked about it to other people. Because when you're an employee, it doesn't really affect you that much. You don't, you know, uh, in an instant way, you don't really get that feedback. If you're the owner of the company, you probably do think that way. And you think, man, I want them to tell all their friends because that's going to mean more orders coming in. So that's the type of thing when you're a solopreneur or a freelancer, whatever, you have the opportunity to have that long-term vision and make decisions about how you interact with people based on that relationship, based on being able to personalize it because you can think of how those things are going to affect the long-term. So I think that's a huge opportunity. Like I said, most employees don't think that way of big companies. So it's a big gap uh, that you can fill. Uh, The third one that he talks about is interpretation. So uh, he uses a quote here, I guess it's a common saying in Silicon Valley, that type of place, that software is free, the instruction manual is $10,000. So he's talking about the fact that even when they release this really complicated stuff for free, you, you need someone to interpret it. So they charge either a service to implement the free software or the free platform, or somebody sells a manual, a guide, somebody sells support for it because you're not going to be able to support it yourself. That's on the technology front. But I think we could apply that to ourselves as well. Um, You could be the one providing guidance for something that's complicated out there. Maybe you see a need, you see something that's really complicated and people just need help. Uh, That's a huge opportunity. I think more and more, uh, we will all be engaged in some sort of guidance and education. Uh, You don't have to be a professional educator to be involved in it because things are continually getting more complex and we have access to more things. So we don't have time to learn the ins and outs of everything. We need people to show us how to do something or how something works because we're just never going to have the time to learn at all. So as that continues, as that inevitable trend goes, more and more people will need to be shown how to do something and eventually we'll be willing to pay for it because it's worthwhile. It adds value. So Uh, Either how can you find an opportunity where something is complex that you understand and you could teach others, or is there some way you could offer something for free and then on another side, charge to support it, charge to add value to it in some sort of way. The fourth one, the final one I'll cover on uh, this episode is authenticity. So this is a big one. I'm sure you've run into it. Um, Abby ran into it recently when she was ordering uh, a new swimsuit online. The company seemed legitimate, but um, maybe not because some of the stuff was kind of weird about it. it. seemed like it might be a little foreign, that type of thing. And what she got was kind of a fake swimsuit that it was stitched all wrong. The uh, strap that's supposed to go to the back <laughs> went to the middle of the back and the other one went to the side. So it was just all over the place. So in a world where all of us have experienced that some stuff online is fake or maybe even the music you bought, you thought it was by one artist and it was actually by somebody else. It, any of that stuff. It's all over the place on the internet. There's an endless supply of sleazy people. Uh, We will pay to feel the assurance that what we're getting is real, is safe, is virus-free. So that's another opportunity. Is there a way that you can package what you're doing and create assurance, create trust that maybe is lacking in an area? Is there um, a way that you can uh, produce your Whatever it is, products, craft, art, in a way that makes people feel like they're getting something authentic, something that they can trust. Trust sells. Um, so that's that's another big one, another inevitable trend that will continue as things are very, very easy to distribute and create. As anyone can open an online store, there will be more and more fakes. There will be more and more scams. So there's more of an opportunity for you to make money selling something that people can trust. So. What can we do? What's, uh, what's our call to action for this one? What am I thinking about? I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to think about what do I see around me that's free and where are there gaps where someone is not adding value? You know, based on these principles, whereas something that's free that somebody has not stepped in yet to add value. So it's not about how can I take money away from people, but it's how can I use these concepts, these four, which again, are immediacy, personalization, interpretation, and authenticity. How can I create value in one of those four ways in a way that people are willing to pay for? And uh, that could also be, how could I do it with something that I'm creating? Is there something I could create and just offer for free? So an example I think of is as an author. Um, One of the authors that I really like, Nancy Duarte, she offered her book, um, uh, Resonate, 100% for free. She just gave it away. Why would you do that? Because she's not making that much money off of the book. She wants to give the book away so that people will pay for her consulting services and pay for her speaking fees. And those are going to come up um, in the next four trends we talk about in the next episode. But she's offering something for free to create a client base and then charge in a different way, create value and request money for something else other than the main product that's being given away for free, so I would just encourage you to join me in that. Uh, I'm thinking through some of that stuff. How can I do something for free, and then where can I add value in a way that can be monetized? But I would encourage you not to think too short term, uh, and that's something I struggle with, and I have to think about too. Is I could, for example, with this podcast, I could try to really hustle and get a whole bunch of ads on here, but uh, to be honest this podcast doesn't deserve ads yet. I don't have a huge audience. I don't have a big following where ads even make sense. So why clutter up this free offering with ads when my biggest need right now is to engage more people? It's not to try to make a couple bucks off of some weird ads. It's to engage more people and build something that people actually want to listen to. So Like I talked about with uh, your advantage as a solopreneur is think long term, think long term with this type of stuff, too, is what you're trying to charge for going to negatively impact somebody's experience. If so, don't do it. Don't do it until it will be a positive, until it'll add value for somebody, somebody who's willing to pay for it. All right. Well, that's all the time I have this week. As always, I would love to hear any comments, questions, stories that you have. Feel free to send them to me through MikeGrozier.com or on the Upload Podcast Facebook page. Just search for The Upload Podcast. You'll find it right there. Um, You can also see the show notes for this and other episodes on MikeGrozier.com. And as always, until next week, I hope you take a risk and move from dreaming to doing.